Now we're recording. We are recording. So now I can actually start getting stuff after. We had soccer. Soccer happened. Um, while we're while I'm, we're killing time here and I'm pulling stuff up. Uh, thank you for that recommendation, by the way, for the um, the uh, the Men in Blazers podcast, the the morning, the daily morning one. It's oh, really good. It? It's really useful. I, I so even if I don't catch yes. it like everyone the day of, because like uh, usually I'll go into work like on mm-hmm. Tuesdays and Thursdays. So like on Tuesday morning, if like I'm like, well, I didn't listen mm-hmm. to Mondays. So as I'm going in, I'll like put each one at like one and sure. a quarter speed and get through both of them in like 15 minutes. I'm like, oh, this is perfect. This is all this is all I need. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a good little pod. And I mean, you know, it gives you it like highlights. You know, just things that sometimes we wouldn't pay attention to. It gives us a quick little insight on those. And yeah, absolutely. I like it too. I like like I I can honestly say I would not have paid any attention to AFCON if uh <laughs> if I wasn't listening to this podcast. Yeah, Could I mean you- it's kind of Catches you up on a few things to say, but like, yeah, I we, wouldn't. You know, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I'm just kind of like, eh, I've done that. Afcon, where eventually somebody's going to win and somebody's probably going to be mad. Even if they don't <laughs> actually win, they might. Be. <laughs> It seems yeah. to be the theme at AFCON. Because all I keep hearing is they didn't win a match, <laughs> but they're going through and they drew all their matches, but they're going through. It's like, wait, did somebody <laughs> actually win here? And why yeah, are they listening going through? to the uh, the recap of like all the Ghana and Egypt <sighs> stuff, I was like, oh, oh, that's that's yeah, <laughs> only AFCON, baby. Interesting. Only in the oh, AFCON. Let me see here. Yeah, AFCON's its own kind of special thing. Oh, man. Don't even get me started yeah. on the, the Asian one. Good. All right, let me see. Of these, let's... Uh, resist, Wes. <laughs> resist what you were about to do. Uh, let's see. I can keep that. I, can get... I don't need that story. I can keep that one. I can get rid of that one. There's there's no there's no room for my moderate eighties style uh, no. Asian racism. So. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I won't, hey, if you're listening to this prepod, uh, we're I can tell you a story we're not going to talk about because I have like twenty stories here that we can get rid of. Um, poor Steven Gerrard. <laughs> he, he Oliver K did a great write up in oh. the Atlantic about how, uh, yes, he did. how uh, he's in a very bad situation now uh, that I'm sure he is desperately trying to get out of. Um, let's see what. But he's also making also like true. twenty million bucks a year. Also so. true. I mean. <laughs> Once again, as I throw out every time we talk Saudi money on this show, <laughs> I am willing to get into that tough situation. <laughs> my look, my wife is not here tonight to tell me that I can't move to Saudi Arabia. So, what is here? Here's the question: What? Yeah. This, so this is what we can start start the the pod with. What is the maximum number of years? If let's say, I mean, I don't know. Let's throw out. 
Because I mean, if it, if it was for thirty billion dollars, what would be the maximum? Like, let's say for something somewhat realistic, like twenty million dollars. What is the max number of years you would go to Saudi Arabia for? Like, what's the number where if they were like, "We want you here for thirty years," you'd be like, mm, "That's that's a little much now." Oh, um, honestly, I don't know if I could do more than two, honestly. <laughs> that's fair. I mean, that's not me trying to, like, be a dick or be funny. It's just like, man, you, you know, because the one, th- the one thing in Saudi Arabia, man, I mean, I can win Saudi Arabian championships, but you that's can't true. win SEC. That's true. You know me. I'm, a, I'm an SEC, SEC boy. <laughs> I'm oh, I, I do think that's I think that's a good answer, though, because like I, I've thought about it like yeah, like if if I was going to do it, like how much money would it take and how long would this stay be like if it was like <laughs> you go for one year and we'll pay you like 10 million dollars? I'd be like, OK, yeah, it's fine, I guess. Uh, if it was like we'll pay you 50 million, but you have to stay here 15 years, I'd be. I don't know about that anymore. So, like, there's there's definitely calculus. Um, yeah. Well, you know, because here here's my thing. Now, I mean, yes, obviously, we all love that big number, and I'm a man mm-hmm. of simple means. I mean, basically, if it can subsidize paying for my <laughs> SEC network every year, which is like an extra twelve bucks a month, mm. I mean. You know, I don't have to stay that long and make that much money. So honestly, I thought about it because, you know, this is the crap I do with my life. Um, I would have to make, they'd have to give me a straight up million bucks. I mean, look, logically, like, honestly, you know, yes, give me $20 million. Sure, whatever. Nobody's giving me 20 million bucks. If I could make a million bucks straight Mm -hmm. up after taxes, bring Mm -hmm. home a million bucks a year, I could go for two to three years and I could be just fine because I don't need a bunch of Bentleys. All I want is a nice Chevy pickup truck. And, you know, I would be cool. So, yeah, if if I could come home, you know, after taxes... Million bucks a year after taxes, um, I could find a mm. way to be swayed. Yeah, I think that's fair. Because, like, and, and two yeah, to three years, maybe. maybe. Um, yeah, that's one of those things, like, uh, very, very occasionally, and I, uh, one name producer, Jack, and I will will play the lottery when, like, the Mega Millions or Powerball gets up to, like, the the seven eight hundred million. Oh, so yeah, we, yeah. we always talk about like, oh, what will we do with this? Will we do this? We like pay off your parents' house. We pay off my mom's place. The baby, blah 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 blah. blah, blah. Oh, I'll sure, do all this sure, shit. Sure. Um, so then I'm like, okay, but sure. if, if we're doing this, then it's just like a million. Well, unfortunately, a million dollars doesn't go quite as long as, as far as it used to. So it's like, what could we do with a million? No. Well, we could at least pay off our house and. And, you know, we could we could invest a right. little bit. We could pay off for the rest of her student loans and and we'd be we'd be in at least a comfortable spot. We'd probably right. still have to work, but we wouldn't be wanting for money. Right. We'd be fine at that point. 
Um, right. You, you wouldn't have to. You wouldn't have to uh, say take a job just for exactly. the dollar figure. Exactly. It's one of those. You know, you could you could pick and choose kind of what you want to do at that point. You know, if you got if you got like mm-hmm. three million bucks in the bank, yeah, you're picking and choosing pretty much. You know, because once again, I don't need. A shark sure. tank that costs ten thousand dollars a month to upkeep Gilbert Arenas. You know, I'm not an NBA mm-hmm. size spender. So uh now yeah. yeah. I could uh, I I could do I can do just fine. Couple mm-hmm. years, get me a couple million in the bank, come back, mm-hmm. open my gym. Basically just open my gym and my Liverpool theme bar. My Liverpool slash SEC theme bar right amazing. here in Old Rocky Mount. <laughs> Wait, what would you call? What would you call a combined oh, SEC and uh, Liverpool bar? Uh, Kirby Gerard. <laughs> <laughs> That's Kirby really good, actually. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> yes, yes, and just have like a and just uh-huh. have like the big Georgia uh-huh. logo hanging out. Uh-huh. <laughs> And of course, with it being Gerard, I guess I'd have to have a Saudi Arabian flag as Which would go over really well you in just, Eastern North Carolina. What you, do, you just have like a mural painted for one one side of the room is Georgia and all their accomplishments. The other side of the room is all of Gerard's <laughs> accomplishments. And then just like towards <laughs> the end, you just like have it like painted black. And then when like anybody asks, like, well, why, why is the end painted black? There's like, oh, we don't we don't talk about that part. We don't talk about we'll that. Talk about <laughs> Just focus on everything leading up to it. Don't, don't worry about that part. Does <laughs> everybody in Rocky Mountain walks through? Who the hell is Steven Gerrard? <laughs> oh, oh, I will say, man. yes, Kirby G. I will. I, I, like, I, granted, Winston Salem is bigger than Rocky Mount, but I remember I told you last year when we went Look. to go do our annual meeting. In Winston Salem, or maybe it was two years ago. This was two, was two years ago now. Last year, mm-hmm. when we said, uh, we we found a Liverpool bar in downtown Winston Salem. So, it, <laughs> I, I mean, granted, again, Rocky Mount is a little, a little step down, maybe from Winston Salem, but you never know. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah. There's 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 got to be a few yeah. around here. Maybe, in, maybe not so much in like Macclesfield. Not the only one. Well, don't worry, because I ain't there no more. Good God, you ain't, ain't going to find my ass in Macclesfield. You're going to find my ass in Macclesfield once every two weeks. That's the pick up the sports show, Francis. I'm going to take her happy little ass back home at the end of the weekend. That's the only time I go to Macclesfield anymore. Woo! Yes, I was the only one there, so. There's dozens of us. Dozens of us. <laughs> we are numerous. There are dozens of us. Oh, oh we are legion. Welcome. Oh, wow. Actually, no, I, no, we'll, we'll save that for later. We'll save that for later. Uh, welcome. <laughs> no, you made me think of the uh, the WWE news. Well, God, yeah. I'll tell you what, 
Yeah, like you said, we'll hold it for later. But all I will say is, if I if I was still <laughs> watching it, I don't know what I think about. Oh, maybe I'd be like, "Are you?" Maybe we'll me? have an impromptu, somewhat so raw towards the end of today's podcast. This podcast is episode four ninety one oh, so of the Foreign Affair Podcast. I'm Edward Green, joined as always by my Colin Crime West Bradshaw. We're finally getting started here, uh, folks. I mean, look, there's there there was like five Premier League matches and then the League Cup. It's it's fine. Don't worry about it. Exactly. The, one that, the one that matters with two two familiar foes clashing again in the league up at Wembley. Uh, we'll get to the we'll get, no no uh, we'll get to that later. Uh, but uh, of course we'll be uh, we'll be hitting that we'll be hitting the matches previewing the FA Cup ties this weekend uh, and then of course hitting up the news and notes. Pim of the Athletic doing the watch for. And uh, like I said, maybe, maybe we'll get a little bit of Sora towards towards the end here. Um, so let's jump in real quick. Ooh. The five matches that were this week. And also, quick apologize, uh, apologies to uh, everyone from last week's podcast. Uh, I said that there was going to be midweek Premier League matches. Not realizing until like two days later <laughs> that like I... I read it wrong on the schedule sheet those those midweek matches are actually next week um, so don't don't worry about that uh there were only five matches this week um some of them interesting some of them not so much like this one arsenal five palace nil could it have been roy hodgson's last match in charge of palace i don't know i mean they haven't they haven't made a move yet so that would although that would be the most <laughs> they, it would be the thursday of all thursday moves i guess uh, Arsenal did get two from Martinelli in the closing moments of stoppage time to fully push through on the Eagles as uh, Arsenal makes their way back towards the top of the table, but not fully there yet. Uh, Brentford three, Forest two, couple of big second half goals from Ben Mee and Neil Mape secured the win for Brentford. They lost five in a row. They stopped the skid and pick up a very important three points against what is now a fellow relegation candidate in Nottingham Forest. Uh, Brentford really needed that one and they were able to pick up a big win there. Um, I believe uh, I saw this right. I believe in the first time in 15 years, maybe a little bit more. We had a Premier League match uh, where there was uh, each side picked up a red card and each side also scored a penalty. Uh, Oliver McBurney's 113th minute penalty, the latest oh. Premier League goal ever, was the equalizer for Sheffield United as they drew West Ham 2-2. That one canceled out James Ward-Prowse's penalty in the 79th minute. And again, there was a booking, uh, a red card booking on each side. Uh, substitute Rian Brewsters came in for uh, Sheffield and for West Ham. It was Kufal's double yellow that saw him get his marching orders. As again, the match finished 2-2. Um, this could have been a tricky one uh, given how the first half went, but then it... Kind of wasn't anymore. Uh, Bournemouth nil, Liverpool four. Uh, Nunez and Jota both with a brace in this one to pick up the slack that Mo Salah left uh, after his trip to Africa. He, uh, They were able to push forward Liverpool to keep them atop the table in the Premier League as we head into uh, the little... Uh, end of the break here. So they win 4 0. And then finally, Brighton and Wolves play to a nil nil draw. Uh, <coughs> Wolves missed a few very good chances to uh, to steal three points at the Amex, but were not able to do it. That one again ends 
nil nil. Uh, so that was uh, the week that was West again, a quick, a quick week this time. Uh, what, what caught your eye from these five matches? Um, I mean, obviously for me, it was Liverpool heading down to the South coast, taking on the cherries. <laughs> and man, it was, um, it was a little breezy, <laughs> a little breezy down the old South coast. Um, a, I think it was a, uh, a winter winter storm rolling in, and it was causing all kinds of havoc uh, for anyone trying to play a pass more than about five yards. Um, first half, neither team looked anything special. Liverpool, especially Liverpool, came out, and you kind of were getting this feeling like, "Oh yeah, don't tell me it's going to be one of these damn days." We're going to come down. We're going to let Bournemouth hang around, and we're going to end up walking out of here with a fucking draw, you know, similar mm. to that Luton match. Well, Jurgen must have been thinking the same thing because at halftime, whatever <laughs> he did completely worked because Liverpool came out, put four goals past Bournemouth in the second half, and just blew the cherries out of the water. Four uh, nil. Liverpool got the victory. And they were emphatic in doing it. A double from Nunez, a double from Jota. Don't forget, Nunez can't score. And Jota, oh, we always forget about Jota. Well, all he does is score goals. Um, so Liverpool, uh, to this point, have not missed a single step without Mohamed Salah, which, of course, every everyone gets terrified when AFCON comes around. Um, I, I won't lie to you and say I don't get it. Had a bit nervous myself, but Liverpool thus far are navigating the storm. Uh, you hate to say relatively easily because nothing's easy these days, but I mean, they're, they're just taking care of business every time out. And the Reds come up with another big three points. Um, they remain mm-hmm. head, head of the league at the moment, top of the table. Um, they are your leaders. Uh, I know Ed's gonna get on the, the 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 table a little later, as he always does. But you know, right now, this magical Liverpool run continues, and Lord willing, it doesn't look like um, it doesn't look like much is slowing it down at this point. Once again, they're dealing with the injuries. They're dealing with missing players at the tournaments. And they just found a way to click on mm-hmm. over and keep on going. So good on Liverpool. With that said, um, I know we're going to touch on the League Cup match in a few moments, but uh, Andy Robertson was back on the bench today for the League Cup match. So, you know, that's that was one of those, oh, here, here comes the sky following doom and gloom, doom and gloom. I don't think they've lost without Andy Robertson. So, you know, this season, not nearly as emphatically as the title winning season. Because in that one, Liverpool were just running away and no one was Mm -hmm. even staying close to them in the table. And that one had this air in January that, (laughs) hey, it's fucking over. You know, um, after that famous United match, the the Allison Becker assist to Mohamed Salah to put away Manchester United. Um, Anfield singing, now you're going to believe us. 
haven't really gotten to that mm. point with this season because I think in the back of our head, everybody's sitting there like, man, yeah, we got a five-point lead on City. They do a match at hand, and they're sitting right there, and yeah. they just got Kevin DeBoer back. So, you know, I don't think anyone has taken anything for granted in January. No title race by any means is um, settled at this point. But I mean, if you're Liverpool, I know as a Liverpool fan, True. what more can I ask for? <laughs> Literally, what more can I ask for? You know, one league loss and you know, not the harp. It was a uh, questionable loss, the one we did. Um, and really, there there have been a few draws where you kind of scratch your head. You know, the Luton, I mentioned mm-hmm. Luton earlier, and that one kind of comes back like, oh, what the fuck? Um there are a couple of, uh, we call them VAR draws, or, well, um, we'll say official draws at this point, you know, the Arsenal match, uh, a few other ones. But you know, Liverpool are taking care of business, and they're doing it with different guys. They're not just relying on Mohamed Salah's goals. Um, they're not just relying on Van Dyke at the back or just relying on Allison. That's a lot of people chipping in. Um McAllister, you know, Alexis McAllister in the last three, four weeks since he's come back from his injury, McAllister is really kicking into gear. And suddenly he is looking like the maybe the offseason bargain buy of the Premier League, where of course Liverpool got him for a really nice price on his um release clause. And suddenly he's looking like that midfield maestro, that that guy at the base who we were hoping he could be, um, you know, still have Trent to come back from injury. Um, the aforementioned Robbo, uh, Endo, Sala off at um, their respective tournaments. Uh, even though Mo Salah <laughs> is apparently back in Liverpool after sustaining a, a hamstring injury on Egypt duty. So that's one of those, you know, they're saying three weeks on it, Ed. It's one of those, I'm sitting here like, yeah, he got hurt. <laughs> Man, you know, I'd almost, you know, at least at this point, if he comes back, that would have been the timetable of them winning the tournament or playing in the well, tournament. Didn't they say anyway. he's going to try to be back for the semifinals of, the, of AFCON? Uh, that was the initial plan. I heard something the other day where it was actually a little worse than initially caught. So I think they're kind of expecting, like, I think if he's able to make it back, they're okay with him going back. I don't okay. know if it's going to come to that question. Either way, um, as long as it's not a long-term thing, you know, uh, mm-hmm. whatever, we can live with it. <laughs> because we're missing him anyway, so not the end of the world. Um, but, man, it's starting to feel like there could really be something here. Um, I'm I, you know me. I'm not screaming for <laughs> dribble yet. <clears throat> at least until after, at least until after February 25th. Which, yeah, we pulled that one <laughs> off in London, but uh, <laughs> you know, hey, we still we got to get by Norwich in the fourth true. round this weekend anyway. For that, yeah, very true. You know, Norwich <laughs> love their trips to Anfield. Oh, Boy, they really don't. But, um. 
So, yeah, I mean, I think Liverpool were probably your story of the weekend. I know Arsenal had the more maybe eye-catching performance, even though, I mean, 4-0, 5-0, whatever. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with Liverpool. And, man, if we can keep this under the radar just a little bit longer, man, that'd be nice. We will have to see if they're able to do that. Um, again, a short week this week, so not not too much more going on here. Um, the Premier League will pick back up. And again, these are the matches that said last time we're going to be this midweek. No, they're going to be Tuesday, January 30th. Uh, so quick refresher on those. Um, at 2.30, it will be Force versus Arsenal. 2.45, Fulham versus Everton and Luton versus Brighton. And then at 3 p.m., Palace versus Sheffield. Villa versus Newcastle at 315 on Wednesday. It's city versus Burnley uh, Spurs versus Brentford at 230. And then uh, Liverpool versus Chelsea, the preview at 315, the prequel, the prequel, <laughs> the, pre- the prequel to the, the sequel. Prequel. Um, that Thursday again, we'll have potted before then, but uh, Thursday will feature West Ham versus Bournemouth and Wolves versus United. Um, so that's the week there. Uh, your table, uh, as Wes mentioned, uh, Liverpool are at the top by five points uh, over City. City with match in hand. I believe that match is against Burnley or or uh, Brentford. One of the two. Um, I believe so. so. There, you, you, <laughs> one of the killer games. Uh, you, you don't want to say that's probably three points, but it's probably three points. Uh, especially as... Yeah. When it's City... When it's city, always just yeah. it's just easier to assume, and maybe especially, you get surprised. Especially once after after January first, once once it's after January first, you're like, well, yeah. they're probably never losing yeah. again. Um, Arsenal and uh, yeah. Villa are also uh, right there at 43 points as well. Tottenham in fifth with 40. West Ham uh, lost a chance to make up some ground on those Champions League spots. They're still at 35. And then it's Brighton and United at 32. At the bottom of your heart, the relegation zone, Everton sit one point outside of it. Uh, Luton are, are right there in 18th. Uh, and then Burnley, five points clear of safety. Sheffield United, 10, or sorry, seven points clear of safety. Um, Luton do have match in hand on uh, on Everton, though. That is to be kept in mind. Um, and of course, also to keep in mind for both Everton and Forest who are right above them. Who knows when the uh, the Premier League will finish there. There are the, not the Premier League, but the Independent Council will finish their findings and see if there is a punishment to be leveled at them. Um, but enough punishment. Well, don't worry, guys. It'll be at a horribly inopportune time. Last boy. week of the season. Um, speaking of punishment, let's get to the League Cup. As, uh, as we were wondering, would Chelsea be able to bounce back after losing 1-0 at Middlesbrough in the first leg? And the answer was, <laughs> yes. Yeah, they sure yeah. did. They sure did. Chelsea wins 6-1 on the night. They win 6-2 on aggregate. Rodgers in the 88th was all Middlesbrough could muster as uh, Palmer threw in a brace for Chelsea as they easily move on to the League Cup final where they will be facing 
as we hinted to a few moments ago, Liverpool. After drawing Fulham 1-1, they do get through on aggregate 3-2. Luis Diaz's 11th minute goal would prove to be the eventual tie winner. Uh, Diop did pull one back in the 77th minute to give Fulham some hope, uh, but they were not able to capitalize on that hope and find an equalizer. So it finishes 3-2 Liverpool and Chelsea will meet once again in the League Cup final, as we as we joked about earlier. Uh, hopefully, it's not another nil-nil draw between these two teams in a, in a Cup final. Um, but obviously, you know, West Liverpool wanting to win as many trophies as they can. This is now, as of as of us talking here <coughs> on January twenty fourth, twenty twenty four. This is currently their best chance at winning a trophy this year. Um, and as for Chelsea, I mean, the only reason we haven't spent so much time shitting on them this year is because, well, just wave in the general direction of Manchester United. Um, so if they're able, yeah, <laughs> there have been others. <laughs> if they're able to uh, to get a victory here in the League Cup, um, I do think. I mean, obviously, it doesn't mean everything is all of a sudden right with Chelsea, but it would be a big boon for for Pochettino and his men over there to be able to get that trophy, even as they're you know trying to turn this season around a little bit. Um, it may be too late to get to a Champions League spot, but if they can at least get a trophy, you got to feel Bowley and company will feel sort of vindicated and start to feel like they're on the right track, which could be their undoing. So, Let's see. <laughs> um yeah uh liverpool on to their 14th um league cup final that is a record of course we've mentioned it uh in the last mm -hmm. one of the last few pods we talked mm -hmm. about i think you went and confirmed uh they they are the record holders of this cup i believe nine nine overall league cup wins um Excuse me. Um, so they're on their way back. Chelsea, the, those <laughs> rapscallion yeah. upstarts at Chelsea making their way through the tournament. Um, they got, yeah, I mean, really, let's be honest, they got a good draw um, the mm. whole way here, pretty much had a really nice draw. And, um, you know, they made, they made their way to the final. I mean, looking at it on paper, Liverpool have got to be a pretty firm favorite. I would I would assume with the bookies, Liverpool pretty firm favorite. Uh, not only are they the league leaders at the moment, um, but also, you know, you, you look at Chelsea and, well, they're <laughs> managed by Mauricio Pochettino. <laughs> Who, you know, Ed, in the past, I would be nice about this, but now, fuck it, he's the Chelsea manager. Um yeah, who cares? It's Chelsea manager now. Uh, other than winning, like, a few trophies with mm -hmm. PSG, which... Honestly, do those really <laughs> count that much? I mean, just look at what Cristiano Ronaldo said, where he said, well, the Saudi League, I mean, <laughs> we're better than France. Uh, par paraphrasing Ronaldo, but he did basically say that it's a better league yeah. than the French League. <laughs> um, of course he did. Of course Chris did. Um, but yeah, going into it, Liverpool um, are are on a roll. They are hot. Like I, said, I can't say the last, well, the last time they lost was in the champions league. I think or mm. not the champions league, uh, the Europa league. I believe it was yeah. that, uh, that yeah. last group match. And 
Other than that, keep bringing it up. The Spurs loss with that little cloud hanging over it. I mean, those are the those are the only losses on the season for Liverpool. So they do go in. They should definitely be the firm bookies favorite in this match. But once again, there is something about yeah. playing Chelsea in a final for Liverpool. And take nothing for granted. Take nothing for granted. Um, it, it will, if nothing else, it will be a hard-fought match down on Wembley. I believe I put in my phone earlier for February yeah, 25th. Sounds about right. I know it is a Sunday. That's about, yeah, I know it's a Sunday, mm-hmm. and I believe that's the, yep, you got believe it right. that's the right day. So. Yep, yep, yep. Woo! So uh, that that's it, February 25th. Um, the Reds on Wembley way, uh, looking to, uh, looking to, uh, win La Decima. <laughs> La Decima. <laughs> It'll be just like Real Madrid oh, winning yeah. Europe 10 times when we, when we win <laughs> the League like Cup it. 10 times. <laughs> um, just like, I mean, carbon freaking copy, man. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so uh, looking forward to that. Looking for a, a day out at Wembley for the Mighty Reds. And um, as you said, Ed, at this point, it is their best opportunity because yeah. <laughs> they're there. <laughs> That's your your best opportunity is when you're in the final um, and, and you have your chance to win it. So uh, we'll see what happens. I know where I'll be that day. I'll be ready to watch me match. And see if the Reds can uh, bring home their template. So we'll see in about about a month's time from now. uh, We'll see how that one shakes out between those two teams. Again, uh, back in the 21-22 season, uh, Chelsea and Liverpool met in both cup finals in the domestic league. Uh, Both resulted in a nil-nil draw and both went to penalties and Liverpool won both. Will history repeat itself again as a neutral? I kind of hope not, even though I want Liverpool to win. I, I also kind of hope it's not a nil nil draw. Just something. Somebody. Well, and, and I will say this isn't quite the same Chelsea team True. that Thomas Tuchel had. They're not as exactly uh, defensively <laughs> robust. We'll say. Um, but, you know, the, the thing about Chelsea, you always have to be wary of. There is a lot oh, yeah. of talent on that club. And and on the days that they're able to put it together, you mm-hmm. just saw what happened yep. in Middlesbrough. They are – we, we can giggle and look at Chelsea's record this year, but, man, Chelsea are mm-hmm. dangerous. That's the thing about it. they are they They have the potential to be a dangerous opponent. So um, if I know Jurgen Klopp well and personally, (laughs) like I do, you know, I I don't think Jurgen Klopp's just going to stroll in and be like, oh, no problem, lads. Just go out there, roll the ball out, and we will be victorious. Not quite. Not exactly his managerial style. (laughs) He seems like such a laid back guy, though. I just kind of would have figured (laughs) it. Oh, totally. Totally. He's. He's just Mr. Chill. Oh, well, whatever happens, happens. Oh, good. Sometimes it's just bad luck. <laughs> um, so we're going to move on to the FA Cup uh, as as the fourth round proper will kick off this weekend. Uh, actually, starting Thursday uh, will be Bournemouth versus Swansea. 
on Friday, you have Bristol Forest. Uh, that's not enforced. Sheffield Wednesday versus Coventry City. Chelsea versus Villa and Spurs versus City. Uh, on Saturday, you have Ipswich versus Maidstone United. Again, Maidstone United, the lowest team remaining in the tournament. Uh, Leicester versus Birmingham. Leeds versus Plymouth Argyle. Everton versus Luton. Sheffield United versus Brighton and Hove. Fulham versus Newcastle. West Brom versus Wolverhampton. Watford versus Southampton. Liverpool versus Norwich. Uh, and those matches, uh, last couple, are going to be on uh, Sunday. Um uh, and then uh, Newport County versus Manchester United and Blackburn Rovers versus Wrexham. So uh, again, the next four days, we'll see a lot of FA Cup action and that we'll see who gets into the round of 16 going forward. Um, so yeah, should be, should be fun times. And of course, uh, we'll have to see if Tottenham can keep a city from scoring still at yet to be named Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Again, don't name it. Don't ever name it. Yes. Never name. Do it. Do it. Never name. <laughs> All right. Um, so some Never news name. stories uh coming out of the athletic as we have the news and notes. Um, uh, we won't talk about this too much because I think we already kind of touched on it a little bit. Uh Simon Hughes uh reporting Mohammed Salah's Afghan departure sparks confusion and blame. It is just it's a weird story. Um, so we'll see though. Not not really an update on the injury itself. Um, but we'll see if uh if he does make his way back to Egypt, if Egypt even makes it far enough for that to be a concern. Um, again, given what happened in their group stage, eh, you, never, you never know. So uh, we'll see what they can do. Um, Plus it's AFCON. You really never true. know. Um, this is a big story that kind of popped up out of nowhere a couple of days ago. Uh, Omar Barada is going uh, from Manchester City to Manchester United. And if your first question is, who? then then you're not alone don't don't worry um but he is one of the the more top officials we will not say the top official but one of the more top officials over at Manchester City in their their front office uh making player personnel decisions figuring out who to bring in and he is heading over to Manchester United to i believe be the head of uh their their scouting and player uh transferred market uh bringing in department that's what i'm trying to say here um and and as has been mentioned this this seems like a big coup um for united to be able to bring in someone from a crosstown rival um someone who was maybe not the again the most instrumental person at city but who was important in the building up of that team uh united have been crying out for for someone in the boardroom to to bring a new level to the fran uh to the to the club and be able to sort of bring them into the new age that has existed since city kind of took over the town. Um, <laughs> but, you know, as, as I saw an article kind of mentioned, you know, this is great for United. Will city miss this. Eh, eh, not, not, not so much, but, but Wes, is this finally, finally, maybe the idea that United have started to get their shit together. Well, either that or it could basically be the United version of Hein True. True. Wait, did you <laughs> wait, did you, did you, you know, mix Heim Bloom oh with the balloons from Arrested Development? Because if so, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> if I did, I didn't mean to. But. 
Uh, no, oh, I, I thought you blue, said I, it blue. sounded like you said blues. I was like, holy <laughs> shit, that's amazing. Oh, yeah, he is. Yeah, the same <laughs> level of clown show, just about. Um, and, and for what I mean by that, folks, if you're not familiar with uh, front office workings of Major League mm-hmm. Baseball and the um, you know uh, continued mediocrity yeah. of the Boston Red Sox, um, basically, Heim Bluth. Uh, you know, came to Boston with a lot of fanfare from um, from Tampa. Uh, Tampa, of course, with their well-renowned system of team building, which is honestly oh, yeah, stunning how Tampa puts together these good baseball teams. It's like everybody gives the dude at the Dodgers all this credit. And don't get me wrong, I think it's Andrew. Oh, Taylor. Yeah. I can't yeah. remember the guy who runs the Dodgers. Okay, don't get me wrong. Obviously, mm-hmm. homeboy does a great job. But let's also be very real. He is playing. He's basically playing he with the Man City money. He, so the Dodgers are basically the Man City of baseball right now. It used to be the Yankees, but the Yankees are more like the Man <laughs> United of baseball. Where they just spend a shit ton of money. And it's like, well, why didn't this work? We'll figure it out. Make something else work. Um, you know, for a long time there, the Red Sox, who also uh, owned Liverpool, man, those two were kind of working in tandem. You know, they were they were putting together really good teams and da da da. And then all of a sudden, the Red Sox are like, "Well, no, you know, we need to save money, and we're going to try to do this like Tampa." So they bring in Heim Bluth, and uh, yeah. well, let's say Heim Bluth <laughs> is now the former. Operating baseball, whatever his title was, he's the former guy because he didn't get the job done. So, you know, I mean, hey, once again, uh, but Beretta, I didn't say his name, Beretta could be the guy who unlocks everything at United, but I've kind of learned from experience. That I can't just give somebody the benefit of the doubt because they're coming from a really good situation. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, you know, for United fans, I have, um, yeah. hey, be excited because something's got to be better than nothing at this point. Um, they finally seem to be doing a few things coming into the 21st century, which is a big help. Um, but at the same time, you can't just assume that he's sure. going to come in and be the fix-all. But I will applaud United because this um, – I wonder how much uh, Sir Jim Ratcliffe mm, this mm-hmm. has to it because this is not a decision that um, you would have expected yeah. the Glazers to make. So maybe this is the first uh, – kind of the first uh, fingerprints that mm-hmm. we're seeing from Jim Ratliff. And if that's the case, then, yeah, hey, got to try something different at United because what's been happening over the last decade obviously has not worked. So um, I will give them credit on trying something different at least. And I guess now we'll just sit back and see, you know, got to give a little bit of time, but just see how this works out over Certainly. the next few years. Uh, again, that's, that's the thing. It's, it, this is not obviously the quick fix, not even close. Um, so we'll no. see. It's, it takes a lot of time, a lot, a lot of time to turn around a, a cruise liner. So we're going to. 
It takes a lot of time and a whole lot of uh, FFP violations that never go punished. 115 to be exact. So I wonder how many of those uh, Beretta's bringing Speaking with them. Of... Do you bring your FFP charges with you? Speaking of someone whose city got through fair and legal means, we're sure of. Uh, West Ham reached <laughs> agreement with Manchester City to sign Calvin Phillips on loan. Uh, this reported by David Ornstein. Um, so Phillips had never really kicked on at City. Um, Juventus was also kind of in the running. Um, but it looks like now he's going to go over to West Ham. And hey, you know what? West Ham is is right there in the the European spot you know, discussion. I believe they're in sixth place right now. Um, they did just draw to Sheffield mm -hmm. over the weekend, which was not good. But, uh, you know, they, they need the help. And obviously for Phillips, you know, with Euros coming up and not getting a lot of time at City, he wants he wants more time. So he <clears throat> is going to try to get that at West Ham. So mm -hmm. uh, this is one that makes, you know, I think a ton of sense for all parties uh, in what's been a, you know, still at this point, a fairly quiet winter for transfers West. But uh, yeah, this this seems like one that should benefit uh, everyone involved. And again, for, for City, it's just like, eh, that's. We can just let a Calvin Phillips go. That's fine. No big deal. So I think this has like some real boom potential for okay. West Ham. With the entire fact that, you know, uh, say two years ago, two seasons ago, if you had told a team, be like, hey, here's the deal. Your midfield can be Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice. I mean, you know, mm. yeah, uh, most everybody <laughs> not named Man City yeah. maybe has taken that offer. And hell, who knows? Man City might have took that offer, you know? <laughs> um, I mean, if they were going and signing Phillips a few years ago, I'm quite sure they would have loved to have gotten their hands on Rice as well. So, and I believe Rice was actually linked with them. Um, when it was time for him to uh, make his moves. So uh, it is a, a potentially really good midfield, um, especially for a team like a West Ham, who, like you said, you know, they're, they are in contention for a European spot again. Uh, as, as the West Ham fans will point out, they, um, they do have European <laughs> yes. silverware on the table now. So, um, you know, they like to point that one out. Um, yeah, I mean, I, to me, it's a, it's a win-win move. Um, getting them on loan isn't, getting them on loan for, uh, West Ham isn't bad because that kind of gives mm -hmm. them a little bit of wiggle room. Um, you know, they're not committed to paying a huge fee for them, but I'm also sure if things went right there, that that might be a potential mm -hmm. permanent landing place. Because, I mean, let's be real. I mean, you know, West Ham can, you know, West Ham can put some oh, yeah. money out if they need to. And, and by the way, I, I know I kind of rambled there for a second. Um, and I was kind of thinking, wait a minute, Wes, did you just make it sound like Declan Rice is still <laughs> at West Ham? Um, of course, Declan Rice is not at West Ham. He's at Arsenal. But once again, you know, two years ago, yes. boy, that would have been a hell of a midfield if West Ham had been able to pull off uh, Calvin Phillips and have him and Declan Rice in the midfield. So, there, that's kind of me clarifying that, yes. hopefully for everybody. So, um, I'm not 
I'm not really <laughs> no, the we, idiot. We, we knew what you were going for. We 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 got gotcha. you. We got gotcha. you. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all reading between. Uh, but, you know, you did make a point there. I didn't know if you were going to go into this or not. <laughs> um, the spending of Premier League squads mm -hmm. in this window is yeah. like nearly non-existent. I think at last it was something like 37 million pounds, maybe. Yeah, and then the real shocking part, as you said, most of it, you know, Tottenham Hotspur spending it. So, yes, it has been a truly bizarre window. But, you know, Ed, the thing is, you know, in, in all reality, when it comes down to these mm -hmm. January moves, I think what we're kind of figuring out, and um, they've got data to back this up, is that most of the time, the January moves, and most of the time, this isn't all the time, most of the time, January moves don't really amount mm. to anything point-wise. I think they said the average January move, or, or how was it it was put? Anyway, like if you look at all the moves made over, I think, the last three or four seasons in the Premier League, I think it averages out to maybe like mm -hmm. one point like a one point difference, maybe that these guys make, you know, you're not rebuilding your team suddenly in January. Is kind of the point of it. Um, now there have been some really good moves. Um, you know, I mean, from a Liverpool perspective, uh, when we brought in Luis Diaz a couple of years ago in January, uh, now that one, you know, that one, the background of it, that was actually Liverpool mm -hmm. wanted that as a summer move. But Tottenham Hotspur actually forced their hand on that because Tottenham had a bid accepted by Porto for the player. And it was kind of like, well, you know, Liverpool, that's where he, he wants to go to Liverpool. So we're giving you guys a chance. Mm -hmm. It's now or never <laughs> or, or else he's going to Tottenham. So that was the moment where uh, he ended up at, at Liverpool. And, and that was one that kind of paid some immediate dividends for Liverpool. But all in all, uh, for the most part, most teams do not see a lot from those big January mm -hmm. signings. You don't get a lot. So maybe some teams have wisened up to that. I know we talked uh, in the last week or so about why are teams not spending in January? Yeah, I think you know maybe that data being more readily available now kind of has some teams like, eh, well, yeah, maybe we'll just wait for the summer. Yep. And at that point, you know, uh, obviously one of the big, I'm sure, dominoes that will still be there is Mbappe. That could also be at least doing on some clubs minds. And that's because that is a big domino, because then once he makes whatever decision he's going to make, then that's when, you know, Real Madrid will start making decisions based on that one. And it just spills onward, mm -hmm. onward from there. So um, we, we could see people right. trying to stock up the war chest for moves that will be coming later uh right because obviously i think with mbappe we i think we're all about 98 percent sure if he makes a move yeah. it's going to be to madrid but the thing is like it's kind of like uh it's mm -hmm. like the butterfly effect of mbappe because if mbappe goes to real madrid let's say he goes in the summer Obviously, that's the move of the summer. No, nothing else is going to compare to that, as we know. Um, 
And when that move is made, then suddenly, well, Madrid's probably going to move on a few guys, which means, you know, for the next tier team down, man, there's mm-hmm. some guys that are available. And it just it's just going to start movement going all over the place, um, <clears throat> you know. And there could be some really good players that you're not going to have to pay Mbappe money for to be able to pick up yeah, uh, a couple of summer. So um, one of those players who we're going to see if he, if he stays uh, at his current place uh, after, after making a potential transfer is uh, Kareem Benzema. We mentioned this one a few weeks ago, once all the, the Henderson stuff came out uh, this from Matt Slater <laughs> and Gilmo Rye. Uh, Leon is exploring a Kareem Benzema transfer from okay. Saudi Arabian side El Etihad. Uh, and uh, that would be obviously back to where Benzema spent a good amount of his career back in Lyon. Mm-hmm. Um, he's 36, uh, but of course he came off of winning the Champions League side and being one of the best players for that Real Madrid side uh, and has been reported there's, you know, he's just never gotten settled there. Um, and even maybe less mm-hmm. settled than Jordan Henderson even was. Um, and, and his team not doing well at the moment. They're seeing seventh of 17, uh, of 18 teams. Um, and, uh, he has mm-hmm. apparently faced criticism from fans of her poor performances and has subsequently deleted his Instagram profile. Um, so he would be again, of course, the latest, uh, player to, to make the move and then make the move back out. And, uh, this would be an interesting one. Um, you know, less, cause again, we, we talked about this a little bit in the past, but, uh, this is a guy who, even at his, you know, a little bit of an older age, still clearly was able to compete in the top leagues in Europe. Uh, you know, we mentioned, you know, him wanting to be ready for France in Euro 2024 and um, mm-hmm. getting getting back to Lyon. Uh, you talk about, you know, how Calvin Phillips could be a win win for for West Ham. This could also be a win win for a club like Lyon to just kind of get someone like Benzema right in the middle of their season, that could be really big for them. I think it could be big also just for French mm-hmm. football in general. Um, <clears throat> bringing, bringing one of their, I guess you could almost say mm-hmm. like more homegrown players and, and bringing him back home. And, um, you know, Benzema was a big star for Leon. Back in his time with the club, um, it played extremely well for him. Obviously, that's how the dude ended up at. Um, that's how you know. That's how mm-hmm. you end up at Real Madrid is you you do your thing where you are, and um, he did fantastic. I think it will be a great homecoming for him. Um, as you as you mentioned, Benzema still. I think Benzema still has a lot to give, even at his advanced age. Because once again, he's not one of those players who's always relied on just his pure mm-hmm. physical dominance. Um, an extremely good finisher, um, you know, extremely technically good. Uh, I, I think he's a guy who still has a lot to give. The French league isn't the most um, mm. physical up and down. Mm-hmm. You're not. You're not talking about Germany mm-hmm. or England here. <laughs> um, it is more of a Spanish pace to it. So he's not going to come in. It's not going to be, oh, he's lost his legs. He can't play anymore. Um, a, I don't think Benzema's lost his legs anyway. But B, it could just be a good fit. And Benzema's always been one of those guys who, 
um, like mm-hmm. like fit is something that's really big for him. You can't just drop Benzema mm-hmm. in anywhere. Benzema has to kind of have that feeling that you know that connection. Um, you know, he, he likes to be clearly feel feeling that right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing, you know. Um, Benzema likes to feel loved, and apparently Saudi Arabia does not want to love him the way he needs to be loved. So I, I think for for all parties involved, I think that will be a a really nice move for Kareem to be able to make that move back mm-hmm. back home, really back home. And I think it could be a big, I think it'd be a big move for all involved. Um, and uh, I think that's one that could really do the player a lot say, of good. Uh, I, I thought this, but I didn't, I didn't know for sure. So I didn't want to say it as I was sort of introducing this story here. But uh, mm-hmm. early on, they're currently in a, so they, so in PSG, they have, or sorry, not PSG, uh, in Le Une, they do uh, now like, um, the Bundesliga does where the third relegation spot is a playoff. So you have a chance, even if you finish in that zone, you have a chance to stay up in Lagoon. If you win a, a playoff against one of the lower division teams that is trying to come up. Uh, and Lyon right now are sitting right there, level on points with Mets. Um, so if they can get someone like Benzema and he can come in and produce for that club. I mean, that that could be a literal season saver um, if he's able to come in and do something, because, again, they are currently sitting on 16 points through 18 matches. Um, and with uh, Leun uh, only having 18 teams, that means they are you know more than halfway through the season there. So that would be that would be a big <laughs> get for Leon if they can get him and then integrate him into their team. Uh, because they they clearly need um, also some firepower. I've only scored 17 goals in their 18 league matches this season, so they they could really use Kareem Benzema right now. Um, yep. Um, yep. <laughs> next story, couple few more quick ones here. Um, this this going back to Afcon uh, and Simon Hughes, Andre Onana and Cameroon, a dysfunctional relationship that could boil over again. Uh, we're not we don't have to spend too much time on this. Go go read this one for yourself. Um, this is just wild. It involves planes that don't quite make it to their destination and eight hour car rides. And again, mm-hmm. Onana came over from from Italy being basically done because last time he played in a tournament with Cameroon, things things did not go well internally with him and the rest of the squad. So he was done with international football and then they asked him to come back. And so they had to get a special agreement with United. And so he's there and then he didn't even play in the first match. He was down there. It's a mess and it's fantastic. So go go check out what's going on there. Um a uh, a bit of news. I thought this was confirmed, but apparently this is just uh, there's still some voting to be done. Um, Dallas is actually looking to host the World Cup final in 2026. And uh, Melanie and Zidi uh, actually put a an article together um, on on the city putting together a bid. And, you know, Wes, I, I think, you know, after reading it and listening to things about it, I think it makes a lot of sense. 
Uh, it's a central part of the country. It's, you know, it is in sort of the middle there. Um, <laughs> it is, the stadium is close to a major airport. Um, and I think most importantly, it's domed. So that that is, of course, in the middle of summer. That's a huge thing. Also, you know, it's 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 Jura's world. You know, there's like a there's a fuck ton of space there for for people to to come and go. And I, I truly hope this doesn't come across as racist or anything. But like, it is being close to Mexico. <laughs> there is that contingent who also loves soccer and who would go see a World Cup <laughs> final that could make their way from Mexico to Dallas. So I, I think, you know, you would maybe think, oh, well, you know, maybe New York slash New Jersey or LA for the final. But the more like I've thought about it once this came up, I actually do think Dallas would be a great place for the, uh, the final to be held. I'm going to tell you what, you know, another thing for Dallas, um, they do uh, Dallas yeah. big airport. Um, y- you can, you can oh, always yeah. get a flight into Dallas from anywhere, anywhere you can get to Dallas. Um, <clears throat> Dallas has a ton of experience hosting big events, uh, national title games uh, for football, uh, Super Bowls. Um, uh, they've done final fours. They've, mm-hmm. they've done it all in Dallas. If you can do it, you can do it in Dallas. Um, uh, you know, as far as, uh, Jerry world, man, it'd be great to see another championship that the Cowboys didn't win. I mean, that's just kind of becoming kind of a mainstay in this world. (laughs) Um, you know, well, of course there's a championship in Dallas. Just don't expect the Cowboys to be involved in it at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, why not? Yeah. You know, LA, don't be wrong. I mean, LA, it's it's a it's a neat experience. You know, the Rose Bowl was cool, but you know, that that facility, if you talk to people who go to the Rose Bowl quite a bit, not mm-hmm. just for the Rose Bowl game, <clears throat> that facility is not anything mm-hmm. to really write home about anymore. Um, it needs some work there. Uh it is it is an old it is it is an old stadium that gets by on its charm mm-hmm. and its history. New York, I mean, folks, let's just be real. New York's a freaking nightmare oh, yes, to do absolutely. this stuff in. And on top of it, it's not like yeah, it's, it's really in, in New York. York. Yeah, I mean, Jersey. it's Jersey. Yeah. And that's just gross. The world comes to <laughs> Jersey. <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe Tony Soprano's there, maybe not. Who knows? But yeah, I mean, you know, I could. I, I saw the article. I didn't read the article. I didn't really think much about it. But now that you talked about it, shit, yeah, man. I mean, Dallas is a good spot. You know, I, I'm one of those people. I believe you should have the national title game in football, in college football. I think it should rotate between uh, New Orleans, Miami, Phoenix, and um, mm-hmm. and Pasadena. Um. I don't, I don't know. I don't really want to see Dallas in that, but you know, but that said, Dallas is really good for Dallas is just mm-hmm. really good at hosting that kind of stuff. And I just, I, I do think that location matters where you're having something. I think that would be a really good showcase piece uh, for the United States um, to, to do it in Dallas. And we know <laughs> everything's bigger in Texas. 
I mean, hell, 100,000 people went and saw George Strait in that stadium. So, you know. um, one thing I would note um, when when mentioning L.A., uh, in fairness to in fairness to them, it wouldn't be at the Rose Bowl. It would most likely be at a uh, at SoFi. Yeah, also okay. which is I'm still I've heard so that is true. Pitch, that is true. So. But it, they are they are already been confirmed to be hosting multiple right. matches for the World Cup. Um, okay. So it's just a question of will they be getting the final? But Makes I sense. even even with that even with that I okay. still agree that I think Dallas would be better uh, for for a lot of other reasons. Um, but yeah, uh, not, not, we, we have graduated a little bit from the Rose Bowl. No, no more. No, no, I will say. Yeah, I didn't think it's so far. That's, that's a damn good point. I just, I didn't, so far. I, did I, I literally, I to be fair, I did not Sorry, even really think about it until you said, it, and I was like, wait, would they play at the Rose Bowl? Don't, I thought like, yeah. No, you, you definitely made a really good yeah. point. For so, so far, so. Either way, still bigger point is Dallas should get the, the final. There you go. Well, and not only that, Ed, but you know, you get the best tacos. And, you know, oh, man. Like, best sunsets <laughs> are all in. <laughs> Going back to like those, something you mentioned about Dallas, you know, hosting a championship that their team isn't going to win. Like, imagine being a Cowboys fan right now and, you know, your team's knocked out. Duke's not doing well in basketball. They just so lost. The Yankees there. haven't won a World Series since. You know, two thousand nine. It's it's a bad time. In the, United, yeah. United, United. Tough breaks. Yeah, I mean the the Laker the Lakers aren't winning. Oh man, tough breaks for Cowboys. Oh, that joke's never getting old. I don't care. Oh, um, okay, final story. Uh, this from Jack Jack Pitbrook and more. Um, Josie Mourinho. And what comes next? <laughs> oh, yes. And they break down uh, the, the, the places they mention and their roundtable where he could go in debating it. Uh, one place, uh, Newcastle. Another place, Chelsea. Again, again. Um, Barcelona has been mentioned. Uh, and then as even a, uh, a national team job with either England or the United States. Um, I'll I'll be honest, Wes. Every one of those, manager. to an extent, would tickle me greatly. Um, maybe not so much the Newcastle one, especially, but like if he went to Barcelona, that would be mm -hmm. hilarious. Um, if he went back to Chelsea again, you know that would be hilarious. And if he, you know, if if the USMNT doesn't do well in the the Copa America this summer. And they get rid of Bear Halter, and they want to bring in Josie. That would also be hilarious. There's a there's a lot of a lot of things on the table for Josie, um, and I I'm just excited to see what he's taking next. Because and he'll be the first to tell you, Wes. He's won everything, so it is it, it will be interesting <laughs> to see what kind of job he wants to throw himself into next. What in the mind of anyone on earth would make them think that Barcelona? Apparently, would be there have been rumblings. Yes, let's give jo let's give Josie a bunch of seventeen and eighteen year olds. I I think even the better part about that is that like everybody's bitching about uh about Xavi, um, 
not being able to uh, to 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 play the beautiful game. Like his Barcelona side has been like this slog of a team that yes, they won the league last year, but they looked kind of shit doing that. So what do we bring in? I know <laughs> Josie Mourinho, baby. The king um, of shit himself. King shit. My God, it would be, and not only oh, that, but you know, of course. of course, his time at Real Madrid, and I mean, you know, where, I mean, God, can you imagine, like Pep Guardiola looking up at me like, what the <laughs> fuck is this shit? Oh, wait a minute, I left you guys in a damn good position, and now mm-hmm. Josie's in charge. What the hell? Just uh, city. I gotta go. I have to go home. Well, and, and save of my course, plug. back in the day, Josie and Pep were up for the job at Barcelona, and they went with Pep instead. So, you know, as this article, you know, kind of mentions, you know, Josie has has made it his personal, men, you know, vendetta to destroy Barcelona with every chance he got. So now, for him, you know, to to pull a low key and go how desperate you must be to make your way back to me like it would it would be the perfect like capstone on Josie's career to go and try to quote unquote save barcelona it'd be amazing that might be honestly the one thing that would get me to pull for barcelona to win a champions league if they Obviously, it would be at the expense of my beloved Liverpool. But my God, if Jose Mourinho could go and win a Champions League with Barcelona and sell all the kids and just bring in like a bunch of John <laughs> Obi McKells and John Terry's and win it with a bunch of like 34 year olds and then just be like, okay, <laughs> I am done now. I go to America. Now I go to America. And and then the financial fair play comes due, and there are no levers left to pull because Josie has pulled every lever. Some twice, some thrice. Oh, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't. It, it would be the most amazing thing ever. It would be amazing. Freaking great. All right. Um, so with that, we've come to the end of news and notes. Let's hit... Uh, let's oh sorry, let's pimp the athletic. Wes, what have you been reading in the athletic this week? Bringing it up. Um, so I'm gonna start off with uh, we we found out yesterday our baseball yes. Hall of Famers who are going in. Um, big congratulations to um, Adrian Beltre, mm-hmm. former Red Sox. I know that's what everybody that's, thinks. That's what he'll be wearing going into the Hall. Yeah. play for the Red Sox. Totally. Even though he, he did, did have a did. great <laughs> fucking year for the Red Sox when he was there. I was like, Jesus Christ, can we please keep him? No, okay. Uh, Joe Maurer, who, let's be honest, outside of, and I don't know if this is controversial, outside of uh, Yadier Molina might be the best catcher of the last 25 years. 25 years. Maybe. How's that sound to you? I'm trying to think, like, because Piazza would have been gone by then. <laughs> so, yeah, 25. Yeah. Yeah, I can get behind that statement. And see. Okay, okay. I, I literally just came up with that off the top of my head. Had not thought about mm-hmm. it for a second until right then. So, I'm just throwing that out there. 
Um, and also one thing you got to love about Maurer and also the third guy, Todd Helton, one Todd Helton. team guys. No, 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 I said, I love Todd Helton. Did Helton leave Colorado? No, 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 no. no. I got you there. No, did Helton he leave Colorado at the end of his career? No, he didn't. He said, the whole time. okay, okay. I remember there had been a rumor floating around that Boston mm-hmm. might trade for him for a playoff run, but I guess, yeah, he never did leave. And, and I love mm-hmm. that both those guys spent their entire careers in one place um, and got into the hall. Uh, just a little about all of them. Uh, Beltre yeah. was a freak. Beltre was just a freak of nature. He had maybe some of the strongest mm-hmm. freaking wrists I've ever seen in my life. Just God, the way he could whip a bat around was insane. And he was an so awesome, good. awesome third baseman on top of it. Uh, I think it almost mm-hmm. gets like undersold how good yeah. a damn third baseman he was. Um, he was also, <laughs> there's one thing we know about Adrian Beltre. <laughs> do he that. does not like his head touched. <laughs> do not touch that man's head. Um, yeah. unless you're like Elvis Andrews and then hilarity will ensue mm-hmm. when you touch his head. Uh, Joe Maurer, you know, I, I said he's the best catcher maybe of the last quarter of a century. I always well, Joe Maurer was even, even me saying that, I kind of thought mm-hmm. he was a little overrated. Um, but I mean, he, he was a great player. I think it's just, you know, being yeah. in Minnesota his whole career, as we well know, they never won playoff games. Well, that's because they kept running into the Yankees. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, maybe I'm a little tougher on Maurer there, but I also just said outside of a Molina <laughs> brother, he's, Easily the best mm-hmm. catcher of the last quarter century. So, um, and also cool thing about cool thing about Joe Maurer, uh, Joe Maurer was basically an all American mm, high school actually, quarterback as well. Uh, Joe Maurer had basically his pick of colleges to go to. If he had, if he had decided mm-hmm. to play football out of high school, I want to say, I want to say maybe he had, he was really flirting oh, okay. hard with Florida state. Um, but anyway, um, went to a famous high is, is actually is a mini, mm-hmm. a Minneapolis kid. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I'm going to look it up real quick. As I say this, I believe he played at, um, uh, the, the, uh, that powerhouse high school. Um, there he did, uh, Creighton, Creighton Durham hall high school in Minnesota in Minneapolis. Um, it is kind of one of those famous ones. They've had a lot of big time, big time uh, athletes come out of that school. Um, Chris Winkie, the former Heisman Trophy winner for Florida State, mm-hmm. came out of Creighton Durham. Um, oh, who else? Oh, there were there were there have been just some really really big time athletes that have come out of that school, and Joe Mauer's one of, if not the best of them all. So that actually says something. So really cool thing for him. He got to be the hometown kid his whole life. You know, grew up in Minnesota, number one overall pick of the Twins, played his whole career for the Twins, going to the Hall of Fame for the Twins. So that's that's just awesome. Just awesome. Good for him. Great for him. And then, you know, we come to uh, we come to Todd Helton, who uh, Todd Helton, another football guy. And Todd Helton played college football with Peyton Manning at the University of Tennessee. He did. They were uh, they were on the same team in the same quarterback room. Uh, Todd Hilton quickly realized, huh, this guy <laughs> is better at football than I am. 
Todd Hilton's like, all right, you know what I can do? I can rip the <laughs> fucking cover off a of baseball. <laughs> and I will do this for fucking ever. He did it, um, went to Colorado as a high round draft pick. As we mentioned, spent his entire career in Colorado. You know, was on the Rockies team that went to the World Series in 07. Mm. Why do I know that? Because they lost to the Red Sox, of course. Um, But was on that team, was probably the best player on that team, was the best player for – is probably – I think it's easy to say he's the best uh, player in in franchise history for the Rockies. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I get with that. I mean, I, well, I was just trying to think it would years, probably but... be either him, like Holiday wasn't probably there long enough to be as, and then the only other right. one I think you can compare to is, to be fair, another Hall of Famer, even though he wasn't in Colorado the whole time, but it would have been Larry Walker. Um, mm-hmm. that, that'd be the only Very other true. one I would I would put up there, but Helton, Helton is probably the best. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and of course, once again, mm-hmm. spent his entire career there. See, Matt Holiday, I don't know, when I think of Holiday, I think yeah, of him playing for the Cardinals. So, you know, now Walker, yeah, Walker's definitely, Walker's a baller, and Walker was there. Um, but, but I mean, either either way, I mean, uh, Hilton, mm-hmm. an amazing career, um, maybe didn't, didn't get the plaudits in life that he probably should have gotten yeah. during his baseball time. Because uh, even playing in Colorado, he was never the biggest mm-hmm. just straight-up home run hitter. But as far as just being a pure hitter, oh, yeah. I mean, one of the best. One of the best that we've seen in this century. Um, and a uh, great career, caps it off. He is, uh, he's heading to Cooperstown. And as a baseball player, man, there's no higher honor than you know, Cooperstown. I, I agree. I'm so glad Helton got in. And when we talk about like, you know, hitters and like Todd Helton, when I think about like, because him, his swing is about as pure as a guy who is going to, I would assume, almost assuredly be going to the Hall of Fame next year. And that's Ichiro. And they're two very different, but both of them were so pure with the way they swung the bat. And that is like, mm-hmm. if, if there was a first baseman for each row, cause like you, you said, like Helton didn't hit a ton of home runs compared to other first basemen in that time period. Um, but he hit mm-hmm. like a ton, a ton of doubles, uh, had like fairly good speed mm-hmm. for a first baseman, especially earlier in his career, played gold glove caliber defense. Like he's, he's a guy like when I was growing mm-hmm. up, I tried to be him. Like there was obviously a great number of first basemen to look up to, but like my guy was help. That that was who I looked up to. I wanted to be him because I didn't want to be a guy who just jacked homers. I wanted to be a guy who could like hit the ball at all parts of the park and and get doubles and tons of bases and play really good defense. That was Todd Elton. That's what I wanted to be. So I am so glad that he finally got recognized and, and got put in the hall. I would, I would have been very sad if the voters kept him out just because of the, of being, being at Coors Field. I would have been, I would have been very sad about that. So good, good for him. Yeah. Being at Coors and, and not, and not yeah. putting up the massive home run numbers that you kind mm-hmm. of associate and with I saw Coors. Somebody, I, I don't know if it was Jason Stark or somebody else who, you know, kind of mentioned it along with Helton. I believe, I believe he did vote for Helton, but kind of made a note that like in, in general, we are starting to see a lot less guys 
uh, as as we're getting to the the point of their at the end of the careers, kind of getting those like big milestone numbers for their achievements, like three thousand hits, five hundred mm-hmm. home runs. Like there's not a ton of guys who have retired mm-hmm. recently that that hit those numbers, and even like projecting, there's not a ton of guys who look like they're easily going to get there. So I do wonder, knowing mm-hmm. how forward thinking the Baseball Writers Association of America is, uh, how how much that's going to play into future ballots when when there's not those nice round number barriers that people are going to break and they have to really start like combing through players and uh and seeing because like helton i don't believe like i don't believe he was a 3000 hit guy he wasn't a 500 home run guy but he was still one of the best hitters you know of his time period and he deserved to be in the hall of fame so it's it's gonna be interesting to see how that goes forward yeah um and you know just talking about the numbers and everything um Re-examining numbers of the Hall of Fame, obviously you're never going to see the pitching yeah. numbers that we've seen yeah. in the past anymore because guys don't do that anymore. They don't do it anymore. And now, you know, uh, writers with the the advanced numbers and everything, you know, in the past it was, all right, mm-hmm. how many wins did he have and how many strikeouts did he have and what was his ERA? Well, now, you know, they're looking to be like, wins is like maybe the least mm-hmm. important stat of them all. Um, you know, ERA, that's not important. And it's kind of like, <laughs> oh, well, hold on. <laughs> this is how we base like 100 years of guys getting into the Hall of Fame. Um, and now going forward, you know, pitchers are five, mm-hmm. six inning pitchers now. You know, and you're just, uh, you're not going to have even like the Greg Maddoxes of the world going forward, you're not going to, I don't think we'll ever see yeah. a 300 win pitcher. Um, and then it wouldn't <laughs> matter anyway, right? So, <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they're going to have to figure it out going forward. Um, a lot of things in the past, you know, looking at who's eligible next year, you mentioned Ichiro. Um, one that I'm definitely going to have my eye on is um, uh, yeah. Justin Pedroia is eligible next year. And, you know, you've got to start looking at Pedroia and like, well, you know, he's got good numbers. He doesn't have these milestone numbers, but at the same time, you know, was Dustin Pedroia the best second baseman Mm -hmm. for a decade in baseball? So not to get, not to get into a 2025 (laughs) argument at the moment, but you know, um, something I saw and it was just a blip of something that I saw somewhere is going into the future, are Hall voters, are they going to look at more of, you know, this guy was the dominant player for a period of time as compared to, oh, well, he played for 19 years and he accumulated Mm -hmm. these numbers and, oh man, he hung on to 42 and got 3,000 hits. And, you know, even though like for the last few years of his career, he wasn't really that good of a hitter. Um, you know, kind of like a guy who will be easily a first ballot Hall of Famer. Like, you know, you look mm-hmm. at like Miguel Cabrera. You know, I think Miguel Cabrera would have been a first ballot Hall of Famer had mm-hmm. he retired three years ago. But, you know, he hung on. He got the numbers. He got all the milestones. He'll be there, no doubt about it. But it's like 
to me, he didn't yeah. have to hit those milestones because Miguel Cabrera was like the best mm-hmm. hitter in baseball for like, <laughs> or, or in that top three hitters in baseball for like a decade. So um, it will be interesting to see going forward how they evaluate and how they look at Hall of Fame numbers, because I agree with you. It, it is going to change. Um, so not, not to, yeah, it's got, not it's to completely to derail this conversation, but I just just talking about like oh, guys, shoot. and I I don't think he this one's going to be coming up. I think until twenty twenty six maybe, um, and I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, but someone who I think could be indicative just to see where people are leaning of like how much do just raw numbers matter at this point is a guy like Felix Hernandez, uh-huh. like. Oh, next he year. is okay. eligible next um, year. Because he was he was on a yes. lot of shitty Mariners teams, but he won a Cy Young. Yeah. I'm looking at his baseball reference page right now. Won a Cy Young, six-time All-Star, uh, twice had the best ERA in the league. Um, and again, but a career record of 169 and 136. Like, that's not good. But again, his numbers, if you just go by ERA, really good. You look at, like... Uh, they have what's it down here? Most similar by age, and it's like w- most similar by age. Dennis Eckersley, Dennis Eckersley, Greg Maddox, Don Sutton, Don Sutton, John Smoltz. I'm like, th- these guys are all Hall of Famers. Should he be a Hall of Famer? Like, I don't know. I think that's gonna be. I again, I don't know that he should necessarily be in the Hall of Fame, but if he gets like, I don't know. 30% of the votes, 35, that might be a sign that at least some riders are starting to be like, well, you know, we, we maybe we can't just look at raw numbers. We have to dive a little bit deeper into stuff. I think, again, I don't think he's going to make it, but I think Hernandez might be a fantastic te- uh, case test to see, to see where that th- line of thinking is going to start to go. And see, I'm of the opinion, if you go by the fact that that dude was just like probably the most dominant pitcher in the game for like five years. I mean, he was. It's not his fault he was on these shit-ass teams who, you know, I mean, if the dude was on a good team, then his numbers would, you know, he'd easily have 200 plus Yeah, he's like a slightly worse Pedro Martinez. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he and, and you know, putting him in that conversation, yep. putting that name in your mouth. I mean, because I, folks, I think Pedro's the best pitcher since he got into baseball. I, I, I don't, I don't think there's a better mm-hmm. pitcher out there than Pedro Martinez. Yeah. Am I a little biased? <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, because, you know, Maddox is in that. And if you want to say it, Clemens is in that. Johnson's in that. I mean, there are some amazing arms in there. I'm a Pedro guy. Pedro is my dude. Pedro is my ride or die till the end of time. Um, Felix Hernandez, knowing you were facing Felix Hernandez was terrifying. No one wanted to face Felix Hernandez. Um, if, If Felix Hernandez had been on the Red Sox, on the Yankees, on, um, some of those, uh, those, those Tigers teams, um, any of those teams in the mid 2000s up to about 2012, 13, he would have been yep. the bona fide ace of that staff. Really, no questions asked. 
Um, he was that damn good. I think he absolutely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But like you said, they're going to start looking at numbers. Well, you know. <laughs> and that's just going <laughs> to piss me the hell off. So, um, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see going forward. But I think I think that is a really good. Um, yeah, he he is a really good yeah. barometer of maybe what we got going forward. And of course, he can be on the ballot for ten years. I have no doubt that he'll be on the ballot, and he'll never come off the ballot. Um, I hope eventually no. he makes it. I believe because you know an, an, another guy coming up next yeah. year is CC Sabathia, and like Sabathia has just mm-hmm. better numbers mm-hmm. than Felix Hernandez. Because he played for those really good Indian mm-hmm. teams, and he played for the Yankees. He's got better numbers. I don't think I, I don't think on any day of the week, CC Sabathia is a better pitcher yeah. than Felix. And I, I will, you know, just just to throw out, CC uh, Sabathia does have a higher WAR uh, than Felix, lower a uh, higher ERA <laughs> though, and a higher WHIP. Yeah. Just gonna throw that yeah. out there. If and those are like <laughs> still basic stats, but I, I like, mean, yeah. <sighs> yeah. And I, I honestly can't really, I can't tell you how they come mm. up with war for pitchers. Um, I mean, does it have anything to do with the fact he played <laughs> on <might>. shit teams? <laughs> um, but I mean, both won a Cy Young, both were six time All Stars. Oh, yeah. I mean, Sabathia yeah, just true. played on better teams. Yeah. His whole career, he played on better teams. So, well, I mean, we'll see. Um, 2025 is going to be interesting. Itero is going to be, without a doubt. Is he, is he going to be the first position player to make it in unanimously? No. Uh, no, because somebody will be like, <laughs> I'm not good at that. Okay, let me, let me put it to you this way. At this, <laughs> not not <laughs> the, should he have been the first one ever. Starting now, should Ichiro be the first person to go, uh, first position player p- to go in unanimously? <sighs> I say yes. I mean, <laughs> I'd have no problem with it because, I mean, I, it's freaking Ichiro Suzuki, man. I mean, what part of him no is idea. not a Hall of Famer? But I agree with you. I think somebody's going to be a contrarian I mean, asshole and not put yeah. him on. Oh, somebody will be a contrarian, so it won't happen, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, somebody will be the asshole and not do it. Um, it'll probably be a Japanese writer on top of it. <laughs> I say that. I don't believe that. But, yeah. No, I mean, we can get to next year. When next year comes, mm-hmm. we'll definitely we'll jump in next year because I think there's some real interesting candidates yeah. coming up next year. Yeah. It's, yeah. Just, uh, real shot. quick, uh, I just pulled up a graphic here. Uh, guys, Felix Hernandez, Adam Jones, Ian Kinsler, Russell Martin, Brian McCann, uh, Dustin Pedroia, Hanley Ramirez, CC Sabathia, Ichiro, Troy Tulowitzki, and Ben Zobrist. So definitely, definitely some big, big names mm. on that list. Um, but yeah, I'll be, I'll be, oh, Felix yeah. Hernandez is going to be really interesting. Um, my couple stories here, mm-hmm. uh, one from Justin Williams. Uh, U.S. Department of Justice joins antitrust lawsuit challenges uh, NCAA's transfer rules. Go, Department of Justice. I don't say that often, but go, Department of Justice. Let's go. Oh. Any Anything to destroy the NCAA. I am, at this point, all for it. Um, and then this was a great story, I thought, by Ken Rosenthal. 
Uh, I think the uh, some some of the framing of it is, especially in this day and age and in this economy, is a little meh. But I think overall, the story is really good. Why Grady Sizemore took a $15 an hour internship to launch a coaching career. Um, my, my just my one like negative about that is like, well, yeah, he made a ton of money. He he, he can take a $15 an hour internship. His 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 career earnings allow him to take something like that. But it is a really good story about Grady Sizemore, a player that I did like. Well, you know, as I was watching him play, uh, who got robbed of a lot of his career through a ton of injuries. Uh, and unfortunately, was just never able to, you know, this is a guy. Maybe we could have been talking about him as a potential Hall of Famer uh, if he had if he had never had to deal with the injuries he dealt with. Um, but it is a good story about him getting into coaching and about what it what it's been like and and the success he's had with it so far. Um so yeah, good for Grady Sizemore and uh, and getting that opportunity and and really making the most of it, and uh, just you know a really a really good write up here overall. So uh, and a lot of a lot of good quotes from other people about him too. So there we go. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I saw that story. Um, so we're gonna wrap up now with the watch for Wes. Uh, oh, let me let, oh, me, let me hit one more thing sorry, real quick um, on our athletic. Um, just because it has just come across in about the last two, uh, two, three hours, Jim Harbaugh. Oh no, folks! We talk about uh, we talk about the shit going on. Harbaugh is going to LA. He is going to be the new oh, coach why? of the Chargers. So, um, Jim Harbaugh. I, I see what you know. I am no Michigan fan here because they had last I checked, Michigan ain't <laughs> in the SEC. But folks, I'm going to tell you, Jim Harbaugh, he is, I understand how he can be a hateable cuss of a figure. But that man just epically won a natty, threw up double birds to the NCAA and said, show cause this, bitches. He's like, oh, y'all want to do something to me? Fuck you, I'm going to the NFL after I win the national championship and you have to hand me the fucking trophy on the damn world stage. That's pretty great. Um, so there's a bunch of Harbaugh stuff coming out. Austin Meek hit it. Jim Harbaugh's last act at Michigan before leaving for Chargers made it all worthwhile. Um, haven't read it yet. Got it to read tomorrow. Um, but yeah, man, Harbaugh going to the Chargers. So there is more college of people coming, even though I, th- I believe they're going to hire from within on the staff. So uh, don't don't think we're going to get any more uh, head coaching movement on that one. So uh, I think they're going to hire Sharon Moore, who was um, the offensive coordinator for that team. So, and, and with Harbaugh being um, suspended for six games this year, uh, Sharon Moore got a lot mm-hmm. of a uh, lot of opportunity mm-hmm. to learn how to be a head coach. <laughs> so hey, he's basically just uh, just just picking right do up you, and carrying. Do you on, think so. there's anybody happier right now than Ryan Day? Ryan Day. Folks, I, I, I hate to say this because you know how much I despise mm-hmm. Ohio State. Ohio State has maybe had the best post-Michigan win in a natty as anybody. Um, Apparently, they decided, you know what, we're just going to go we're, – we're, we're just going to buy our damn team for next year. <laughs> They've gone out. they got Caleb Downs from uh, from Alabama. Um, they got, uh, Will Howard, uh, to be their quarterback. And then 
to top it off, they took Quinshawn Junkins, the SEC's leading running back from Ole Miss. And Ed, to top it off, uh, they went and got the number one high school quarterback in the country after he left Alabama in the transfer pool, in the transfer market. And they just brought, they brought in a five-star quarterback in this class and then just went and got the other five-star quarterback from this class. Was like, oh, Ohio State, I hear you, I hear you. Hey, round day. All I can say, better be Michigan. So Harbaugh's gone, yeah, better fucking be Michigan. So I cannot wait to be the biggest fucking Michigan fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for a next uh. year. Oh man, but yeah, there. I want to throw that one in real quick. There, there's gonna be a lot of hardball, a lot, a lot, a lot of hardball yeah. coverage going this when week. When do you think so. we're gonna exactly. we're gonna hear about Ohio State's 115 recruiting violations? Well, it doesn't matter anymore because the NCAA is basically falling apart around itself. Oh man, it's the only way to win a title now. Um, all right, so let, let's hit the watch for West. Just, just remember, Ed. What you've been watching in the week that was or the week that will be. Um, so this week I've been on a few things. Uh, I finished up, um, the, uh, Daniel Craig, James Bond series. And boy, those are really, really freaking good. If, if, if you like action, you like adventure. If you like James Bond, then you haven't watched it. But, um, Skyfall was the third one. Yeah. Third one? Um two after okay. Skyfall. So I, I, I two I haven't seen of his. Okay. Oh yeah, Inspector. Yeah, you see you gotta see uh Spectre and um uh No Time to Die. I watched that okay. one last night. That was the last one. Extremely okay. good, extremely good. And what's nice about them are there. It's a it's a full like bond set that it mm-hmm. all connects together. You know, because back in the day it would just be like, oh, Bond saves the world, and then the next time we saw Roger Moore, he'd be like, oh, <laughs> I don't even remember saving the world the last time. I'm James Bond. Yeah, they were like very standalone. Mm-hmm. These are all everything. Yeah, Royale together, and so. uh, Skyfall were amazing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, it was a really good series, and the last two are super freaking good. Super, super, super good. Nice. I watched something else last week that I was supposed to talk about, and I forgot what it was. Oh, 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 I remember. The wife and I. So, what's one of the most horrible movies that Seth MacFarlane ever made? That's all you need to say. Uh, Anything Seth MacFarlane made. <laughs> Uh, I've was seen this commercial garbage. so many times on Peacock. I'm so tired of it. And I've never watched it. But boy, I'm going to tell you what. Uh-huh. We watched the first one. The TV show was okay. really damn funny. The movie, skip the movie. The movie's hideous. The show was really <laughs> good, actually. So we watched the pilot of it. And we're going to get back when we get, when, when she gets back in town and we get ourselves settled back in, we're going to definitely watch some more Ted. So, uh, yeah. So watch Ted on Peacock. Peacock. Sponsor us Peacock. Peacock. Um, 
I didn't complain about y'all True. putting a playoff game. True, on neither. I did not either. I was like, well, I don't know what y'all are bitching about because I got Peacock because I watched go. the Premier League. Thank you. We we were we were streets ahead. Hell yeah. Um uh, so I and and one name producer Jackie. Uh, we decided to take the plunge and uh, invest in now another streaming service. Uh, at least, at least for a year, we're gonna we're gonna give it a year and see how it goes. Um, we are now subscribers to Dropout, which is the now official and only name of the former uh, College Humor brand. Um, so they are now they are now fully because they, they had been they had still been Dropout, but they were still branded under College Humor. Um, but they've like kind of moved away from just doing like shorts and comedy sketches like they did back in the day for college humor. And now they do more like game <laughs> shows and they do a lot of uh, Dungeons and Dragons, like a shit ton of Dungeons and Dragons, um, which has gotten really popular for them. Um, they do a lot of funny stuff. So we've been we've been watching a lot of it because there's some of it's free on YouTube. Um, but like some of the later seasons are only on the, their paid service. So we're like, all right, fuck it. We, we've, we've enjoyed enough. We can, we can take the plunge and see what else is, is in their, their catalog. And we've started watching some of it and some of it's really freaking good. Uh, one of them, they, there's a show called a game changer where it's a game show where the, the game itself changes every episode. Uh, so like one time it's just, them recreating noises um it's like it's a more advanced version of whose line is it anyway that's what it really is because it's a bunch of sketch performers doing like weird shit from prompts and i really appreciate that um but they actually just had a survivor episode that was really really funny um (laughs) with with a lot of twists so that was really good so good to see that they seem to have solved the problem of whatever it is to stay like solvent they are doing really well in this economy uh that they don't have to charge any or they don't have to run any ads on anything no paid sponsorships they it's it's literally just we sustain with the people who pay us to watch our streaming service and in this day and age that's fucking awesome guys so good on you all i i pay i think it's I want to say it's like six bucks a month. We did it. We did it for a full year to get a little bit of a discount, but I think it's about six bucks a month, six bucks a month. And there are literally zero ads on the entire thing. I love it. It's amazing. So we're going to be, we're going to be doing a lot of that, I think in the future. So that will do it though. Uh, for the watch for, Oh, we, we got, Oh, Wes, are we doing so raw? Speaking of streaming services, are we doing so raw? Hell, just, Um, I don't have a story up in front of me, so I'm just going to kind of do this from memory from what I've been reading. Uh, Apparently, WWE Raw is going to Netflix. Will it stay on Mondays? Nobody really knows. Uh, I think this starts next year in 2025. Um, But this is kind of bonkers. I think I was reading somewhere like so one WWE show is on Netflix. One will be on like the CW or some other network. And then one of them will be on Peacock. And then like something else and like the pay-per-views will like, I think be on Peacock or something else. It's getting really confusing, but this is, this to me is a really, really big jump West and a really, 
really big bet from the WWE that streaming services, especially an unproven one in, in this uh, landscape, like Netflix is the future. Uh, I mean, it, it is a huge, huge, huge Donald. Tell him Donald WWE Hall of Famer, Donald Trump. And this is a really big deal. Um, I think it's something like um, $5 billion or something. Like for 10 years. (laughs) Um, I mean, it's it's a lot. And um, for the first time, I think Raw has been on TV for about 30 years, 31 years. And this is the first time it will not be on linear television. Uh, of course, USA Network for a long time. It was on, um, what was the damn channel yes. called? Spike. Yes. Mm-hmm. You remember it was Spike for a while? They were on there for a while and um, then came back to USA where they've been for a long time now. This is this is something. I mean, this is a game changer. Uh, I'm, I'm currently out of the wrestling. Uh, I don't. I, I'm one of those in the wrestling is almost like the NFL for me. I keep tabs, mm, but I don't okay. actively watch it, you know? Um, even though I may be, I may be flipping on the Royal rumble this weekend. Ed. I mean, it's the Royal rumble. <laughs> so I might have turned the rumble on, but, um, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see how this ends up working out. But, um, this is uh this is something this is something crazy to see going forward. So uh, I wonder I wonder how much this is gonna kick up that Netflix price is yeah, the big question. That's gonna be a big one. The other thing to me you know, because trust me, there there are a lot of people who are not gonna wanna pay extra as, money as for someone Monday who Night will Raw. not be watching Monday Night Raw. If if I have to pay more now so that there one name producer Jackie can have access to her Gilmore girls. Um, we're we're gonna have to have a discussion about how much she likes the Gilmore Girls going forward. You yeah, might just see them on the box. Yeah. Um, my biggest thing is this is a really interesting move, given what I will call the furor, and you mentioned it a little earlier, of the playoff game for the NFL being on Peacock. Like I know Netflix is a more known entity. Oh, yeah. And maybe maybe they're betting on the average WWE fan being more tech savvy and being more like we're talking about Netflix, like it's some new thing, like it's been around for like 15, 20 years at this point. But to put something like this that has so traditionally been on live television and now to move it to a a week on a streaming service and still be weekly, not something you binge. This is going to be really interesting to see wh- how people feel. And it, obviously, I'm sure there's a lot of talk right now. The The bigger thing is going to be what happens the week after the last uh, Raw on on network television. And then when it moves to Netflix, when that because that's yeah. when it's going to really all kick up, I think. Um well, because it, it, it could be something because you're going to have to do something yeah. to try to draw those ratings coming quick. 
So, you know, who are you going to see in there? Like the rock, apparently Dwayne Johnson, the rock is, is wrestling at WrestleMania this year. Of course he is. Of course he is. You know, Cody Rhodes, we don't give a shit that you carry this company for 11 months out of the year. <laughs> we got the rock for WrestleMania, dude. <laughs> Chill out. Chill yourself. Oh yeah. That's, that is a wild story. I'm, I was very surprised when, when, when I saw that article pop up, but, uh, <sighs> we'll see we'll yeah. see if it's a good move or not um but that will do it now for this episode of the podcast 491 is done and dusted uh we'll be back next week uh, to talk more premier league action um again midweek premier league matches there's the fa cup this weekend um and then uh we are will just be a couple weeks away for me starting the european campaigns as well uh, something to look forward to as we venture in towards February. Uh, of course, want to shout out our podcast providers, including Spotify for podcasters, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn Radio app, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on social media as a collective on Twitter. We are at AFA Pod. Wes, you are. And oh, I am at Edward Green. So thank you all for joining us this week. Uh, this was a lot of fun as always. But before we say goodnight, Wes. Anything else you want to mention? Speaking of those NFL playoffs, save us, Lamar Jackson. You're our only hope to not have a Taylor Swift Super Bowl. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, that's right, folks. I, I know that can be controversial. <laughs> Probably to the listeners of this show. I'm sure we have a big Swifty contingent out there. Um. But yeah, that is uh, yeah, Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens are the only thing standing between us and maybe the apocalypse of the Super the Bowl. The funny part is, as I just just as someone who's been kind of a, a wide viewer of all this, uh, I'm pretty sure one of the last Super Bowls I actually really watched and paid attention to was a Baltimore San Francisco Super Bowl. I think that was the one when like both of the Harbaugh's were coaching. Um. That was the final game of the Great Ray Lewis. The last Super Bowl that I truly gave Maybe a shit then it about. wasn't. Which which year was that? If you, uh, I can look it up. Uh, that was about nine, Harbaugh, ten years ago Harbaugh. at this point. Uh, Super Bowl. Jim Harbaugh versus John Harbaugh Super Bowl. Yes. Which one was I at? Uh, Super Bowl forty-seven, the twenty thirteen edition. Uh, so it was the twenty twelve season mm-hmm. finishing in twenty thirteen. So yeah, that's been. Almost, almost eleven years. So maybe, maybe I'd watched one or two more after that. Um, but yeah, okay. Yeah, that night I sat my little tiny baby into my lap. I said, "You watch that man hit, because you will never see another man like that." That is the great Ray Lewis. <laughs> and then, honestly, that was—I gave up the NFL after that because I was like, you know, I wasn't happy mm-hmm. with the direction of the NFL. And once Ray Lewis left, I was like, all right, guys, I'm good. I will be a faraway casual observer. But since that day, Ed, I have not called myself an NFL So just for me, now look going through them, I think that was the next to last one I kind of cared about because the next one was Mm -hmm. when the Seahawks blew out the Broncos. And I just remember like tuning in for like the first like quarter or so and i was like oh they're they're fucking done never mind no this this game sucks <laughs> i'm out 
And then just like going through the next ones, the Patriots yeah. Seahawks one where it ended on an interception. I didn't watch that one live. The next one was Panthers Broncos, which we were super hard pulling for the Broncos in that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of us hate watching. Um, and then it was the Patriots Falcons one where the Patriots made the insane comeback, but I didn't watch that one live. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> the Harbaugh Harbaugh Super Bowl was the last one like I really watched. So huh. well, there you go. Go. And now they're both about crazy. to be back in the it league. Would be crazy if that happened. Um, where they both were in the, the Super Bowl oh, again. Maybe, maybe one day. Oh. Well, yeah, the Ravens are set up nicely. I know that much. I don't know the Chargers <laughs> have some work to do, but um Yeah, so folks, that that is where my allegiance lies is Charm City, the Baltimore Ravens. As I said, I have I have cared from afar <laughs> since my beloved Ray and my beloved Ed Reed left town. But um, I will I will be all on Team Lamar this Sunday because, once again, I, I don't think we're quite – I don't think this country can handle – Ed, 2014, I mean, we know what's coming at the end of this year already. What? Oh, yeah. It's yeah, election okay. year. We know what's coming. It's already going to be bad. Do we really need to ruin February with the Super Bowl, or, or excuse me, with Taylor Swift co-starring the Super Bowl? It's, there was ever. And by the way, did you see the Super Top Hat as a Super Bowl halftime uh, show? Isn't it Usher? It might be the worst show I've ever seen. It's Usher, and of course, when you think of Usher, you think of Wait, Reba McIntyre. What? Yeah. I thought you were going to be like yeah. Usher. When you think of Uther, Usher, you think of Ludacris. I was like, and I would be like, okay, yeah, that's fine. I get that. Reba McIntyre. Wait, really? Reba McIntyre. Yes. Super Bowl. And there's somebody else in there. It's like, what the fuck is this shit? Uh, all about the the performers. From, let's see. Let's see. Who got here? What we got? What do we got in this news article? Uh, this, yeah, the right, yeah, this, uh, yeah. And, oh, Post oh. Malone. Oh, he's performing America the Beautiful. So he's doing that. Um, oh, Post Malone's yes. doing America the Beautiful? In the, during the, the pre game telecast. Uh, let's see. So who's performing? Um, uh, Usher. Uh, Wait, so it mentions Reba McIntyre, but what the fuck is she doing? Oh, oh, she's doing the national anthem. She's doing the national anthem. Okay. You know what? That's fine. That's fine. Oh, okay. So, okay. Well, now this says this, this says, um, Usher will grace the stage, the stage field at halftime, but he's not the only celebrity we'll see. This, now, the way Esquire's putting it is Reba McIntyre, Post Malone, and Andre Day were also revealed as participants. Andre Day this week. is doing, uh, she is singing uh, Lift Every Voice and Sing before the, before the game. Um, so, so Reba, Post Malone, and Andra are all singing before the game. Mm -hmm. And then Usher is doing the halftime okay. show. 
with who i don't know i'm clicking on this thing that says a few teases so maybe maybe if this uh, uh i really kind of uh, want to see i really want to see reba McIntyre would, to be fair that would be fucking hilarious uh i don't know we'll see we'll see yeah Adam Blackstone will produce Star Spangled Banner. So, uh, at the at the risk of sounding like a dummy, what is lift uh, every voice and sing? I I don't know off the top of my head. It, it says it's. All I see here is it's some sort of an anthem. Right. Um. All right. Hmm. I'm I'm sure I'm sure they will all, all right. do great, and Post Malone will do something. Um, so there you go. Yeah. Uh, maybe he'll bring Doritos with him. That's that's gonna do it for this edition of the Foreign Affair Podcast. Yeah. Still one of the weirder commercials of all time I've ever seen. For my Colin Crime, West Bradshaw, I'm Edward Green. Thank you so much for joining us this week. And until next time, stay safe and enjoy the football. Good night, Everton. You guys did really good not losing this week. I mean, you didn't play, but yeah. <laughs> they, they <laughs> could have taken a loss and from the independent commission. That didn't come out. So I'm sure that I'm sure they will One eventually. So. <laughs> it's just the guillotine hanging over their heads. Poor, poor guys. Oh, man.